0: Today my guest is Penelope Smith. Communicating with animals telepathically throughout her life, Penelope discovered in 1971 that animals could be relieved of emotional traumas and other issues through the same counseling techniques that helped humans. This began her work as an animal communicator. Her visionary work as a pioneer teacher of interspecies telepathic communication since the 70s has helped launch the careers of numerous professional animal communicators. She wrote the popular classic books, Animals Talk, When Animals Speak, and Animals in Spirit. Penelope believes that everyone is born with the power to communicate with other species and that although it is long lost for most people, it can be regained for the benefit of all beings on Earth. Welcome to Interspecies Evolution. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight human consciousness and how our self-awareness can lead to our honoring animals as conscious beings as well. We have gathered more than three dozen people with unique experiences and education, inviting them to share their journeys and how their relationships with animals have changed along the way. If you are seeking inspiration on your own journey of awakening or simply want to improve your relationships with animals, we invite you to join us because it is time for interspecies evolution. Here's your host, Jenny Jablonski. Welcome to Interspecies Evolution, Penelope. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate you very much being willing to come and have this conversation with me. And many people, of course, know who you are already. So I'd like to skip that because your time is valuable and just launch right in with a few very meaningful questions. And we'll see where the conversation goes. You and I both seem to come from the perspective that animals have emotions, make judgments and individual experiences just as unique as human have experiences. And you had a background in psychology and that led you right away to a sensitivity that animals could benefit from similar psychological perspectives yes i was a counselor for people and i found that applying
1: what i knew to help people with traumas and with their life journeys and all the things that they had to face also could help animals and i started with a a cat in 1971 who lived with me she had been left by somebody who left town and she was a very uh Afraid little girl. And she was very sweet and bonded with me, but she really stayed away from everybody else. And then she got herself in deep trouble. She was beat up by other cats outside and she ended up very traumatized and not letting her wound heal. No matter what I did to help her with her wound, she kept scratching it open. I said, Well, you know, there's a reason behind this. Let's just sit down together. And I began to counsel her like I would uh, a human, only telepathically. You know, we did it through our thoughts and feelings, no words out loud. And um, in a very short session, couldn't have been more than a half an hour, she ran through all kinds of traumatic experiences, fears, and just kept rolling them, rolling it out. What was behind this wound that she wouldn't let? heal and her hair was also falling out. She was looking really awful. After a ha- about a half an hour session, she fell asleep. When the next morning, she was like a new cat. Her, uh, she Right away, her wound started to heal because she was no longer scratching it open. She no longer tried to scratch it open. I didn't have to bind her up and try all sorts of things that didn't work. And then uh, within about a week, her her hair grew back. It was very Quick, everything changed. But the most amazing thing that not just I noticed, but all my roommates noticed too, they thought I put in a new cat because she was now, she was now outgoing. She went up to people. She went on their laps. She purred, she meowed. She went outside and she no longer attracted getting beat up by other cats. She just could hold her own now. She was no longer the scaredy cat cat. She was no longer pulling in this sort of energy of beat me up because I'm terrified (laughs) of you. She lived a very happy life after that. It it was wonderful to see. So I went, wow, that was fast. This is a huge, huge, life-changing transition that people would take, counseling people would take many, many hours to get to. In fact, sometimes years people found out I was, I could do this. So I started doing people's, I didn't charge anything. I was just, I was just going to see what was happening and get some practice on it too. And so I did it on the side, dog, cat, bird, whoever people had. It was quite amazing what happened. And I also noticed that people changed they drastically changed their whole perspective changed and they started not only to look at the animals as fellow beings as souls they started to look at themselves in a new way and i went aha uh-huh. aha uh-huh. this is what i'm here for is to enlighten people to help people to remember who they are and look look it's happening in this incredible way and i love it It was so fun. Of course, I always had loved animals. So I went, wow. So gradually, I phased out of my other professions. I had several uh, professions going, and the animal communication became a full-time thing. People kept calling me and calling me, and then people wanted me to teach them, and away it went. Your question is, so what... It happens with animals you know they relate the same way well I always knew that you know I mean I'd always communicated to them as just fellow beings I'm sure they had different faces and different bodies but it didn't make any difference to me I just went well of course they're going to have a similar journey on the earth the earth is a difficult place <laughs> and you know our souls get tested we get tried uh, here and it's also fun, you know. It's a it's a lot of fun. Anyway, I got incredible results by just applying all the same things, all the things I learned for people, all the body work, the energetic work, the healing work, everything I applied to animals worked better, <laughs> faster, and animals were more open to it. They didn't have the mental barriers. They didn't get lost in their minds. They remembered. They were, they related to me soul to soul very easily. I had no problem relating to any animal. I just was there for them and they related to me. And I, I fully expected it because I treated them as fellow spiritual beings, not as bodies or things, but spiritual beings.
0: Now, in my experience, in fact, just this morning, I spoke with a woman on the East Coast and her horse, and her horse had an upper motor cortex lesion in her brain, and I was asking her if she wanted to heal that. And her response was, well, if I heal it, am I just going to be controlled by people again? and she showed me a series of pictures of experiences when she was young and in training with someone else where she was in pain and she was trying to express that and the trainer wouldn't allow her the freedom to escape didn't have a choice to say no I'm in pain my body physically hurts and so It was very clear to me that if the horse was willing to forgive and release the judgment of that situation, then we could move forward with the healing. And if she wasn't, then we might have to have another conversation. And sometimes it's difficult for the human caretaker to wrap their head around that. They'll, they just want their animal to be fixed, to be healed. And, and why wouldn't someone want to heal? And they do seem to put a lot of pressure on those of us who do the work Can you speak to any experiences you've had where animals have just made a choice to be angry because that's the only free will they're able to exert? Yeah.
1: An example of a horse comes up where they got very ill. And when I communicated with the horse, the horse said to me, well, she's going to sell me. She says she's going to sell me. And if I'm ill, no one will buy me. (laughs) because I love her and I don't want to go anywhere. And it was an issue of the woman who wanted to do hunter jumping and this horse was more suited for trail and the horse was not able to do that kind of work. So the person went through a big transformation. Personally, I am very open to people transforming. I fully expect that they will. And so they have a lot of ideas. Everybody has their own ideas. And they have their socialization. And I've had high-powered dressage trainers or whatever who go, we have to do it this way. And so then I just say, well, let me show you what your horse shows me. This is a different example, not the one who got ill. Actually, that turned out a happy ending because the woman completely changed Her whole attitude, she had no idea. She had no idea that her horse felt this deeply. And she realized she felt deeply too, but she was in this sort of, again, the way she was trained about horses is that you use them and then when they don't serve you, you move them on. It's not like a family relationship. It's more like a commercial relationship. And she just completely changed and it opened up her heart and she just went oh my gosh oh my gosh and I mean she started crying the horse was just like crying too we were all just standing there in this deep and she changed completely and the horse said to me well I can ride I like to ride I like to go on the trails that's fun we've always had fun doing that can we do that and the woman she changed her whole attitude And she decided to keep the horse and she let go of the objective approach and the horse got better. In a very short time, the horse acted very, very differently. Now, another example, and this is um, what you were getting at, is I had one very high-powered dressage instructor. She was an Olympic person and she had me see her horse who was completely amazing. But the horse was, in her terms, defying her. She knew he could do it. He was from a very good lineage, blah, blah, blah. And yet he would not do the things that she wanted him to do. So the horse looked at me, oh my gosh, his spirit was just completely amazing. This was like this spiritually amazing being. And he said to me, if she will Let go of the reins. I know how to do all this. I know exactly how to move. And he told me his name was Light, Lightness, something like Lightness, like lehere or something like that. It was another language. My name is Lightness. If she will let go and stop trying to put so much pressure on my head, then I will move and I will be beyond what she has ever seen in her dressage horse but she has to shift. And the woman just looked at me. She, I mean, you could see it was like, and I told her, I gave her the picture because it takes people a while to assimilate this kind of thing. This is a shift from being the controller of an object who you use to being in partnership. And while she had a concept of partnership, it was a little bit different. It was human domination. So he told me, and he showed me these incredible pictures of how he could move if she would let go of his neck and not keep forcing his neck down. And I told her, I said, This horse will show you how you can move with horses in a way you never have. And my impression from what he is saying is that it will be completely championship beyond your dreams. Again, she was pretty flabbergasted. And I said, well, you know, try it. This horse will guide you. She just shifted. And I heard her talking later. I had, it was the day I was seeing a number of horses and I heard her talking later. And she was like a completely different person. She went from being very rigid in this school of dressage that she had been trained in, was very <laughs> rigid and controlling. And she just, Uh, she was talking in a whole different way and I knew she would end up being a very different teacher and that this horse would teach her. So I leave a lot of room for people to change. I don't really, my object is not that I'm going to get them to think like me. I'm going to just let them know exactly what their animal needs and wants from their perspective and communicate in as best a way I can, the horse's feelings and intentions, and then let the person work with them. And any questions people have, I'm totally willing to answer. Sometimes they have to shift quite a lot. So they're like, this woman, I, I, she couldn't even talk. I mean, she was just like, uh, 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 like, this rocks my world. So I just leave that open and so because I don't have an oppositional attitude toward people, my attitude is that we're all in a partnership together, the human, the animal and myself, we're all in this in this circle together and we're all learning and our object is more harmony, more understanding, better communication. So I find that people are pretty receptive. I occasionally get people who just, I'll I'll tell you a funny story. One woman, (laughs) then I've seen lots of horses, probably thousands of horses. I saw so many horses when I was doing consultations because people were very, um, horse people spread the word around. And so they, they called me from place to place, barn to barn. And I saw, you know, streams of horses day after day. But one horse, this woman, she asked me questions about the horse and I told her what the horse said and what he liked, what he didn't like, how he related to her, what it, she asked me questions about his previous life before she got him and stuff like that. So I told her what the horse told me and she said, well, you haven't told me anything that I didn't already know. And I said, well, that not that great? You're so in touch with your horse. You got his communication so well. You didn't really need me as an interpreter. And that really, (laughs) she just couldn't say anything after that. But really, she was trying to make me wrong, obviously. But I don't take it that way. I just go, okay, I listen deeply to the person. What is this person really saying? Well, she's obviously afraid. You know, she's she's afraid. So I'm not going to oppose her. I'm not going to make her wrong. I just said, well, that in fact is fantastic that I didn't tell you anything you didn't already know. But, you know, I got it from the horse. I didn't get it from her.
0: <laughs> I'm always struck, more so in the last few years, I think. I am meeting more people who will say, oh, I thought that's what it was. Oh, I just knew that. Oh, I had a sense of that. And they are being validated for their own intuitive knowing. And it's beautiful to watch it. It's also, I think, wonderful for what you're illustrating in your many stories that you've just enumerated. And my experience as well is many times what the human... Thinks the problem is the human story of what's going on with the animal is actually not at all what's going on for the animal. And that happens just about every day. I would say
1: that happens pretty much all the time. Most people have lots of ideas about animals. And as they get more educated, as they open up to telepathic communication, as they start listening more to the animal on a deeper level, then they get the right messages. Then they get the understanding. But before that, they go a lot by ideas, book ideas, you know, ideas from other people. They go, well, horses are like this. Dogs are like this. Cats are like this. You do this with them. This means that, that means that. Okay, so they don't know how to really fully listen to an animal. That's why they're calling you. So when I, my job is to fully listen to both the human and the animal and to relay what the animal is saying in the best way I possibly can that the person can understand. And then people go step by step. They start to open in a new way. So they go, oh, I mean, I've had people say to me, and this is, you know, many years ago. Now people are so much more open to animals thinking and feeling. But 45 years ago, people would say, oh, you mean he can make decisions? <laughs> and I <I'd> go, yes. <laughs> you mean he's thinking? I go, yes. <laughs> but they don't know that, you see, because they're going by their socialization they're thinking what other people have said and told them is true and so this is an awakening this whole field is about awakening and it's mostly awakening people the animals are very aware they're aware of who they are why they're here and what's happening with them and people get very lost in their and spin their wheels get lost in their heads And so they get that separation from their whole mind, body, heart relationship that the animals don't have. So people learn a tremendous amount from animals once you start telling them, this is what the animal's thinking, this is what they're feeling, and this is their perspective. You know, people will say, well, they're doing that because they're ornery. And I talk to the animal and go, well, actually, they're in deep pain. You know they have a, some spinal misalignments that are really hurting them. That's why they're acting <laughs> the way they are. That's why they're resisting moving with you, or you know, walking or riding or whatever it is that's going on. So people don't know this, you know. So I just, I just have great compassion for people and their ignorance. And in their ignorance, they do a lot of. Things that later they wish they hadn't done, but they didn't know. You know, they didn't know that you could train horses without beating them. They didn't know you didn't have to use a choke chain collar on a dog. You know, I mean, these things now we take for granted because so many people have woken up to who animals are. And now it's going deeper and deeper. People are getting more and more tuned in, which I'm very grateful for
0: now you've touched on it a little bit but could we talk a little bit more in detail about the wide variety and extraordinarily unique experiences of the psyche of animals and there are many books written as you just alluded to animals behave like this you know cats behave like this dogs behave like that if this happens it means etc right and I have found so many times that the issue that is going on with the animal is so unexpected, completely unexpected. Can you talk about the very unique nature of animals, the way they perceive the world, their sole purpose, that not every animal has the same sole purpose?
1: Yeah. So... Animals are unique individuals. I I have always related to them this way, but people, again, were trained, (laughs) educated that animals are sort of automatons, you know, or they have instincts. We can rationalize and think, and they have instincts. I go, we're animals also. We have instincts. I mean, what are people acting on all the time? Instincts, you know, so people don't have this differentiation that animals are their own beings. They're living their own journey, just like we are. They're on a soul journey here. They're living their own journey. They're learning their lessons. They come here for different purposes, as well as, you know, how people often don't know their own purpose in life. And when they find out that animals have purposes, they sometimes are astounded. You know, and then it reflects back on them and they go, wait a minute, that must mean that I have some purpose. And I go, Um, yes. <laughs> because the animals will let you know, well, I came here this lifetime. I just wanna hang out. I need a break. I need to rest. I didn't want to do any work. That's why I chose this family. They're a dog who's sitting in the corner all the time. I don't want to go on long hikes. I want to be taken care of. I have a lot to think about. I have a lot to work out. I don't particularly want to do a lot of activities. And oftentimes they'll just choose the exact right people and people will go, well, that's great because I don't really like to go on hikes either. And my, I just like my dog for company. You know, I'm just happy he's there sitting in the corner and that he comes and gets his snacks and he'll go out with me a couple times a day for short walks. And we're really happy together. But when people discover that the animal already knows this. They're quite amazed and delighted, but this kind of percolates down into human consciousness. And this is, I always wait for this. Wait a minute. This dog is telling me what kind of person I am. You know, I really came here to just have it, you know, a little bit in the background, quiet, have things comfortable, just be able to think and not be imposed upon by people. They have those realizations. It doesn't always happen, obviously, in the session. Sometimes people will write to me weeks later or months later and tell me that their whole life has changed because of that session, which seemed very simple. We handled something very, very simple. So then you look at other animals, you communicate with them, like this horse I told you about. He said, if you will just let me, and he showed himself in the past as a Native American. And he said, I have a long history of horses. I love horses. Horses, and his attitude was that horses were a superior being to humans, which is why he became a horse. They're more sensitive. They're freer in their consciousness and etc. So, I mean, he had a whole lot to tell me. I'll never forget this horse. He was just magnificent, just amazing soul. But he, his idea was he was here to enlighten people, that obviously his person, while he had respect for her, she didn't listen to him. And so he just wouldn't go. He just wouldn't move. And she said, I know he can move. I know he can do what I want him to do, but he wouldn't do it until she shifted and she shifted. And then this horse taught her, got to teach her. So the horse was very clear that he was here to teach people and he wouldn't kowtow to them. He wouldn't let them just push him around. That if they listened, they could have some glory together. They could have some freedom together. They could have some beauty together. This horse was on uh, his consciousness, was definitely into freedom, beauty, raising awareness on a soul level of humans. You know, not everybody's like that. I meet. I call them master beings who really know what they're here for, who are guiding people, who stand for who they are. You can't mess around with them. (laughs) You can't push them around. And they guide you. And if you listen to them. And then there are just like people. People are on all different awareness levels. Animals are too. You know, you can't just categorize them all. There's no categories I mean, if there are categories, they're infinite, (laughs) you know, and each is so individual. So you listen and you learn. So each time I have talked to an animal, I'm prepared to be surprised. So, what is this animal here for? What are his ideas or her ideas? What does she want to do? And some animals are here to heal from trauma. They've been carrying some burdens with them from life to life, and they're here to heal. And they pick people who can help them. And they want help. And they tell you, I want help. I love my person. And they are totally willing to give their love. But they need some help. So their person learns all kinds of healing modalities, ends up going into acupuncture or chiropractic or whatever, some uh, natural healing techniques that will help the dog. And ends up changing her whole life because her dog needed help. And the dog asked for help and was willing to have the help. I feel like there is always, whenever we meet each other, whether we're humans or animals or plants, whoever we meet, we have a purpose together. We have some kind of connection. Maybe it's a short connection. You know, we pass each other, we smile, and our day is brightened. But maybe it's a longer connection, you know, a deep Lifetime connection, like we're a team, we're going to do something very important here for planet Earth and all the people on it. And some animals come in like that and others do not. You know, so you just listen, you find out what they want. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it relates. You mentioned um, one of your questions was about imposing healing upon animals. You could never impose healing on anybody. A being asks for help you don't even have to ask them you know people say well i'll ask them well they'll tell you <laughs> you know if they want healing they just you know pull it right out of you i mean i have horses who just immediately they have me put my hands on the exact spot where they need help in their spine or whatever i don't ask them it's all the connection i'm just doing what they want i would never think of not doing what an animal Desired. I mean, if they said nope, I don't need any healing, I don't want any healing, I said fine. No problem. I don't even ask to ask. Usually it's the people that ask, well, can we heal this? Can we fix this? And the horse or dog or cat or bird says, no, I'm working through it in my own way. I'm working through it. And sometimes they'll tell you about it, what it is they're working through. Other times it's it's just their particular journey and it's private. You know, so I only tell the things they want people to know. You know, sometimes they'll say to me, certain things I'm telling you, they're not to be told anybody else. I say, okay, confidentiality, you're my client. (laughs) You know, that's confidentiality. But usually they want people to know the things that will help people to understand them, help them live together in harmony. But I can't even imagine not treating animals as individuals with individual lives and learning from them. You know, learning from them, what is their purpose? How can we work together? Like we're living together. So what's the best way for us to live together? How can we have more fun together? What do you want? You know, I mean, those are basic in any relationship. I mean, in a human relationship, people don't even ask those things. (laughs) You know, they just think, well, gee, they're my partner. So they should do this for me. Well, gee, uh, I don't think it works that
0: way. <laughs> well, you're speaking to healing that is directed by the animal, requested and directed. And my question was going to be about protocols that are very laden in step one, step two, step three, step four, and human cognitive intellectual understanding of the physical body and i find that just like humans an animal's body is the container for the soul it's the messenger for what is going on with the soul and what are the choices of the soul in this life and so you touched on the response that i would have wanted to elicit from you and that is If an animal wants healing, an animal will direct it, will help you understand what it needs, as opposed to the human intellect always trying to fix when it's actually not the leg that needs to be fixed, it's the heart or the consciousness. And I have a great example of that. A few years ago, I was invited to work with a mare whose injury wasn't healing. She had quite a gash on her leg and it wasn't healing. And I went and I found, well, she had quite a bit of anxiety around the injury and what was expected of her and her owner's opinion of what had happened and I said, well, let's deal with some of these thoughts. Let's look at your thoughts. And we did that and I was ready to go. And the donkey in the next stall over said, will you come and talk to me? The woman owned the donkey too. And I said, sure. And the donkey said, did you just really help that horse with its thoughts? And I said, well, yes, I, I did. And the donkey said, well, I have some thoughts that I don't like at all. Could you help me with these thoughts? I said, sure. And just then I heard a horse call from acres away. And I was on a five acre property. There were about 30 so horses on that property. And on every neighboring property, there were horses. And I looked around, and I scanned all the horses, and I pointed to a chestnut mare with a white blaze off to the left, and she was looking over the fence, and I said, I think it's her. She's trying to tell me something about this donkey. Why would your neighbor horse have something to say about the donkey? And the caretaker said, well, that horse used to live with the donkey for six years here on my property. And I said, okay, well, I'll just listen to what that mayor has to say then about the donkey's thoughts. And sure enough, and you will appreciate this, they were Frisians together in a past life. And they were told that Frisians were the best horses bar none. And so the donkey was very arrogant and didn't like any of the Andalusians or quarter horses or thoroughbreds or any other horses on the property and the woman said oh my gosh it makes so much sense Because the donkey doesn't like any of these horses. And I asked the donkey, you know, would you like to release your judgment from your past life so you can be happy and at peace in this life? And both the donkey and the mare next door were so thrilled to have that burden lifted from them.
1: That's so sweet. That is so sweet. And that's the power of really listening and really getting it. You know, people have these ideas. They go, oh, well, you're just you're just interpreting this or you're just interpreting that. And I go, the proof is what happens. You know, you hear this from the horse and the donkey. Now what happens? And sure enough, their behavior changes. It's obvious to everybody that their behavior has changed. So, whether you can hear them telepathically or not, whether you can get that their thoughts are different or their feelings are different, you can see it in the behavior. And that's the miracle of it and the beauty of it and the learning of it. I mean, you wouldn't know anything about that. I mean, you just listen to them and you go, wow, that's an interesting thing where you got those thoughts. Wow, that is really interesting. And just that appreciation of you openly listening is transformative. You don't even have to ask them, do they want to release it? You've just listened and understood and already the door is open. You know, they already start to let it go. They see. well, I don't need to have this anymore. They bring it to their consciousness and they don't have to have it anymore. It's it's, it's just, anyway, so much fun. I mean, that's why animal communication is so much fun is you're constantly... Learning these fresh things that you just would never think that way. You know, it's not something you would drum up from your past or whatever. I hear things from animals and I go, wow, that's really a different perspective. I remember the first time when I smelled through a dog's nose, (laughs) when they were sniffing and I just united with them, just connected. I went, oh my gosh, I could hardly stand it. I said, it's like orgasmic rainbows. I mean, all the information and the amount of sensation was so intense. And all the pictures and all the history and everything else that this dog was getting. That's why I say people who pull their dogs away from sniffing. I just go, wait a minute, it's like pulling you out of some deep ecstatic experience that you're having. So you would not know that through your own nose, you know, because our our noses as humans, our sense of smell is so inferior compared to a dog's or actually a lot of other beings'
0: <laughs> sense of smell. <laughs> well, speaking of dogs and unexpected information coming through... About two or three months ago, I was watching you being interviewed by someone else. And my puppy came up to me and put her nose in my lap and said to me, I know her. I love her. I talked to her when I was in another body. And I shared that information with you and I hadn't told you anything that I was aware of about her prior lives, I don't think. And if you would like to share the memory you had of meeting my dog in another body. She came
1: through as a dolphin and I had done many dolphin swims, taking people to swim with the dolphins and communicate with the dolphins for many years. She showed me the exact dolphin and how she came up to me in the water and looked me right in the face, and we communicated. I had many different thrilling experiences with dolphins, you know, direct communication, and they single you out and they know exactly who you are. And so when she said that, I just laughed. I said, Isn't that amazing to have this experience? Here it's a dolphin I met maybe, you know, who knows, 15, 20 years ago. And now she's recognizing me. It's so interesting to me. This is another thing that people find weird to them at first is I used to do a lot of consultations by phone at a distance. And then I would go and teach people and I would go and do classes in various places. And a lot of these people were former clients. And their dogs or cats or whoever it was who had had a session with me immediately recognized me and ran up to me. And the people would, I mean, it's so funny. They would go, how do they recognize you? They never saw you. You know, you just communicate by phone. I said, souls know souls. Beings recognize energies. I said, think of people that you meet and you immediately feel that you've known them before that you've known them for a long time, that you kind of just sync with each other. You just go into resonance. I said, that's the same thing with the animals. They pick up the energy. They recognize who they've known before. And particularly, you know, if it's in this lifetime, they just talk to you by phone. Well, they weren't talking by phone. Obviously, they didn't have the phone up. They tuned into your energy. You tuned into their energy. You were together. You know, there was no distance. We just recognize each other. And people find that kind of strange. And I'm so used to it. I said, I just expect that they'll recognize me. Even animals that I have never met. I'm known around the world, evidently, by animals wherever I go. And they go, oh, there's Penelope. They just know me. And they just come up to me. And they say, I know you. I know what you're here for. I know what you're doing. And so it shows beyond what people think of as barriers, beyond this isolation that people think where they're separate and they're just this individual who doesn't know anybody. Here we have billions of friends on the planet right here who know us and that we can connect with. Kind of amazing, you know, and only humans with their thinking barriers have that barrier. Humans who don't have that thinking barrier feel connected all the time. Like all the people that I have taught through the years, I feel connected with them. Now, we don't talk to each other. I mean, occasionally, you know, there'll be a little message on Facebook or something from people in the past, but I feel connected with them. We're family. Once we've walked that significant part of the journey together where we've been in a relationship, teacher, student, whatever you want to call it, but in a relationship of learning and transmission of energy together, well, you're always connected. And so that's why your dog didn't forget.
0: (laughs) And just a little bit of validation. She was born in a litter of seven puppies and she was the only one that slept in the water bowl, next to the water bowl, on the water bowl, emptied out the water. And when she came to live with me, our house was wet constantly. And one day I finally just said to her, what's up with the water? And she said, I'm a dolphin. I love the water. So that's just a tad bit of validation there. And then I once had a client who contacted me and said, I've never talked to an animal communicator. I've never talked to a psychic, but one day my dog told me I needed to look up NDEs, near-death experiences on YouTube. And so I listened to him and I did. And when your picture came up on the screen, he said, that lady, I have to talk to that lady. And sure enough, the little dog and I, who was like a little French bulldog, we had a past life in Africa together where we were elephants and something needed to be resolved. <laughs> so who knows? You never know what's going to happen in an animal. Well, that's communication. A beautiful adventure. I mean, that's the
1: beautiful adventure of it. If you leave yourself open, instead of being bound by past education, which is often miseducation, if you just leave yourself open, You learn all kinds of things from animals. You know, the soul journeys that you have. One of your questions that you pointed out that animals aren't always here just to help us. You know, people get this idea. Oh, they're here to help as if they're servants of us or something. You know, they're of course animals are very helpful and they love to help. But they have their own journeys. You know, they have their own things they need to work out. Oftentimes they're parallel with what the person is working out because you tend to do that in a life you group up with people so you can work things out together. You know, you have common things to work out, to show each other, to mirror to each other. You have to respect the animal's journey. You have to respect that they're not just your critter, you know, (laughs) just your something, your object, your pet, whatever people want to call them. They're their own individual. I respect them very much as individuals. At the same time, I have to acknowledge I have the human body. Uh, I'll tell a funny story that's coming up. One of my dogs, Pasha, who was just a total soul brother, he was an Afghan hound and he was definitely a child hound. We had strict meal times and that was it. You know, I was very strict on health health for animals, health for me as an animal. And he said, but you're eating. I said, well, humans need to eat more often than dogs do. It's just the way it works. I happen to have hypoglycemia too, so I have to eat even more often. So I'd go to the refrigerator and he'd go to the refrigerator and he would try to get something out. I say, Pasha, I said, I'm sorry, this is not your meal time." I said, I have the human body. I get to take things out of the refrigerator. You do not. That's the way it works. (laughs) But again, we're relating soul to soul, but there's differences in the roles of bodies.
0: (laughs) There are definitely multiple perspectives about animal consciousness and what animals are capable of. And I found on my journey there was quite a wide variety of perspectives, not only about how animals communicate, but about what they're capable or incapable of communicating or feeling, etc. Can you speak to how oftentimes the perspective of animals as totems, as wisdom carriers, as these omnipotent guides are projected on some animals who aren't manifesting that consciousness in this life well again people project in a lot of different
1: ways you know they project things that they wish were true and sometimes they get these blanket ideas that every animal is here as a wiser guide than you, knows way more than you do. I haven't found that to be the case. They're individuals. They know what they know. I mean, my animal friends, my family happens to be composed of beings who were walking the track together and we're tracking. We're definitely there together. They understand everything and we have agreements to help each other and help the world, et cetera. But that isn't the case with every animal. I remember one woman who called me and she ended up very angry with me because I didn't tell her what she wanted to hear. (laughs) She had a dog who was one of the most neurotic dogs I have ever met. This dog jumped and was afraid of her own shadow. I mean, literally, she was angry. The dog was angry. She was afraid. She was mistrusting of people. Well, you don't find this in masters. With beings who are aware and are masters of their own consciousness and can teach you things, they generally are really together and they're not neurotic or biting people or biting each other or, you know, whatever. So this woman sat with me, you know, she kept feeding me questions like, well, isn't he a wise Master, and I, you know, I would say, Well, let me ask your dog, let me listen to your dog. And the dog really resented me asking those questions and really showed me all her fears that she loved her person. So I could emphasize that she definitely loves you very much, and she has a lot of fears and she's afraid of a lot of things in life, and she doesn't trust people, and she doesn't feel good about anybody but you, and even you she sometimes doesn't trust, and she showed me a picture of her biting her own person, and the woman, you could see her getting angry with me, but I couldn't lie, you know, I couldn't say, oh yes, she's A wise master, this is not what I was getting from the dog. It was not what the dog was communicating about herself. They were there in their own little tight-knit bond. They had a lot of things to learn from each other. I could not tell this to the person. This was not what the person was asking me. This is not what she was going to listen to. But she got very angry with me. She was just very very angry by the end of the session that I did not tell her that her dog was the wisest, most wonderful dog that I had ever met. You know, I mean, I'm not criticizing her dog either, but I'm just saying, well, this is what your dog is relaying to me. These are her feelings about life. These are her feelings about herself. These are her feelings about you. I mean, positive feelings about her person. At the same time, Anybody with riddled with that much fear. I mean, you can't lie and say this person is a master of her own being. She's not. She's here to learn and to be loved, to help her to get through all the fears that she has. And frankly, by how angry her person got, I would say that they're the right beings for each other, you know, in the journey. Fortunately, I haven't had that happen too often where a person tries to cajole you into saying something. And I'll just say it in the most harmonious way I can, in the kindest way I can, relay in words what the animal's saying, but I will relay what the animal is saying. You get where people will read one thing and then they project it onto every animal. You know, they go, oh, well, they all must be masters. They all must be angels. And I, and I tried to say in my articles and what I've discovered, I said, no, some of them are working with very dark forces. Some of them are really what you would call somebody you won't want to be around too long with what they're working with. It's not a judgment. It's just what is. I would not call them an angel. I would not call them a master. I would not call them anything but this being who is on a journey and is working some things out, just like we all are. And frankly, if you don't pay attention to the dark side, you'll get bit by it. You'll get bit by your own dark side and everybody else's dark side. I mean, you have to be aware of that we're all made of everything, of every aspect of consciousness, of the dark and the light. And so I have encountered animals that really I have to protect myself from. You know, I mean, I had to stay away from them. I remember one lady, she had a very superior attitude. Again, this is a horse she had me see. She was very proud that her horse reacted to everybody negatively except her. The woman said, well, why don't you go into the stall with him? I'm standing outside the stall. I wait till horses tell me what to do. If they say it's okay to come into the stall or they want me in the stall, fine. And the horse said to me, This is what he said. If you come in here, I will kill you. <laughs> so I moved back a little bit because the horse was just exactly like the person superior, angry. And did not like people, as it was obvious that the person did not like people either. So I told the person, I said, no, your horse does not want me in there. And I told her what the horse said. And she was proud as could be. She just smiled. She was so proud, just sort of like, I told you so. See, only likes me. And I said, yep, you got that. And I said, the horse does not want any particular kind of help. And she says, well, he does have some back pains. I said, well, I'll ask him about the back pains. And the horse said, you're not touching me. You're not coming near me. I don't need you. And I said, okay, thanks. And again, the person was just as pleased as she could be. So we had two very big dark sides. And if I had paid no attention to them, and I had been one of these people said, All horses are angels and sensitive beings who you can just open up to and they'll be just wonderful with you. And if I had not paid attention to the person's anger, I would have been in trouble there. I would have been hurt. I watch. I listen to the people. I listen to the animals. And I'm not ignoring anything. I'm not judging it I'm not there to judge I'm just there to notice (laughs) and observe and obviously I have a human body which is frail and I don't want it hurt I'm not going to go in close to dangerous animals animals who tell me they're going to bite me or they're going to trample me or kill me I would go oh well thanks I'm glad you told me I'll just sit right over here behind this fence (laughs) And gladly communicate to you, but not in person. I mean, I've had other examples like that. Again, if we want to talk about the dark side, this woman, I was doing consultations in person, a lot of consultations in person. And she had these particular kind of dogs. They're raised to be guarding dogs of sheep and other animals on their own. This particular kind of dog was called the kubas. They were trained to be very ferocious. when I went into her house, she trained them, she raised them, and she showed them. When I went to her house, she had her dogs behind armored glass. Armored glass. They were behind this armored glass, and they all charged the glass when I came in. I will tell you, it was very impressive that those dogs would have you know, completely. They charged and they hit that glass and barked and barked and barked. I had already asked her what she had wanted me to come over for, and she one particular dog who was getting older had been a top show dog, and one particular dog who was having physical problems, and she wanted to know what they were because the vet couldn't find out what was going on. I said, "And you're going to bring the dog in to the living room." We were sitting in the living room, and the armored glass was right there and their room led to the outside <laughs> so I sat there and I said okay I said Look, just let me check in with this dog before you bring the dog in so I checked in with the dog and the dog said yes I will talk to you and I said yes and you have to guarantee you're not going to hurt me either if I'm going to stay here in this room and the dog said fine so she brought the dog in the dog said to me, sat next to me, looked at me. It was the sternest dog I had ever met in my life and said, if you move, I will nail you. He sat right next to my knee. I I said, okay, I will answer your person's questions, but I will, I'm not moving my body. I mean, I learned later not to put myself in those situations, but this, it was definitely scary. But the dog was hurting. And when she asked me questions and I told, believe me, I did not reach for the dog. I did not. I did exactly what the dog said. I did not move other than my mouth <laughs> to speak to the person. So I told her, the dog showed me exactly where it was hurting. I said to her where it was in the spine that the dog had an injury that was recurring. This was an old injury that was now arthritis was building in the spine. I could see. I said, you need to go to a chiropractor. Obviously, your vet did not find it. You need to go to a chiropractor who can help you. And the dog actually got friendly with me. Believe me, I still didn't move. But the dog started rubbing up against me, was very grateful. And the woman then took the dog out of the room. She got what she needed. (laughs) But again, if I had had the attitude that all dogs were angels or that they're all here to exhibit unconditional love toward people, which I've heard over and over again from people, then I would have been in trouble. Here's a dog telling me, if you move, I will nail you. And by nail me, he, and he showed me exactly, he will bite ferociously into my body. So I didn't move. <laughs> and then I will tell you another story now that we're on this. And this one was very traumatic for me. This woman wanted me to come see her dogs in her house, and they were Rottweilers, and I had seen any number of Rottweilers. Normally, people bring their dogs, especially large dogs, bring them one at a time. Okay, she came to the door. I went in, and she let all her dogs rush at me. These were like seven Rottweilers, had me slammed against the door. As if I somehow, because I was an animal communicator, that somehow it was okay to do something she would never have done with another person. Somebody coming to her house, would she have let 700 plus pound dogs slam you against the wall? I stood there and asked her to please handle her dogs, and she did. And then we saw the dogs one by one. Believe me, my body was shaken, but I'm very good. at being present despite trauma. (laughs) So I did the consultations with the different dogs. We answered the questions. They were all very nice dogs. It's just that you don't let seven large dogs have free reign with greeting a person. You know, and she had this attitude that somehow I must have been different or something. So it was so amazing. This is what happened later. So I did the consultation. Everything was fine. I really wasn't hurt. I'm actually a very strong person and I do yoga every day and I'm in good shape. I felt I wasn't hurt. Well, (laughs) I later, I went to a friend of mine who ran a holistic healing center. I was due for a session with her. I laid down on the table and she looked at my energy field. She put her hands over me and she, she said, oh my God. She said, it looks like you were attacked by a bunch of wild animals. She saw that in my field. She didn't say that it was dogs. She just saw my energy was all like, whoop. Fortunately, I wasn't hurt. I mean, I didn't have a spinal injury or anything from being slammed against the door. I said, believe me, there was a lot of energy that came out of being allowed to be attacked by seven dogs, basically, you know, that the woman allowed this. (laughs) So people have different expectations. They have different ideas about what animal communication is, et cetera. You know, I just had never had that experience. People usually acted quite sanely. You know, they bring one dog at a time. I never had the experience of somebody letting a dog. So, you know, I learned from that. Uh, It was, you know, in those early years (laughs) when I was seeing a lot of animals in person in the 70s and early 80s before I started doing uh, more phone consultations. But I was seeing a lot of animals in person. And, you know, mostly the animals would tell you ahead of time if they were like this dog, this Kuvas who told me, don't move or I'll nail you. And another dog who was traumatized. Again, I, I remember these ones going to these people's houses. Again, she didn't tell me ahead of time what was going on. She said, my dog just has some problems. And I walked in, and it was an Irish setter, an older Irish setter. I just won't forget this dog. The dog came up to me, sniffed me, and liked me. Okay, and I sat down. This is what the woman said. She said, wow, that's the first time he hasn't bitten somebody who has come into the door. (laughs) he hasn't bitten somebody who's coming to the house (laughs) she normally keeps him in the back and I normally come in very quietly I'm assessing communicating with the animal already feeling their feelings and I could see that this dog was a bit wary at first came over to me sniffed me like most dogs do I don't do anything with animals I don't reach for them I don't pat their heads like you see people do I wait for them to show me what they want I don't touch them unless they want to be touched. So the dog came up to me, sniffed me, and then liked me, you know, and, of course, didn't bite me. And I would not have known that the dog was going to bite because he wasn't telegraphing that. I mean, the person had a responsibility not to let the dog bite me, you know. But this is, again, people's attitudes. And in those days, too, people – they really didn't understand what this was all about. They really kind of thought you were something different, you know, that you were not a human being that had a body or something that could get hurt. And they just thought, well, you would know everything instantly and the animal wouldn't hurt you or whatever. I mean, generally that actually is the truth for me in my life. Animals respond very positively to me, even animals who are aggressive with other people. But it's not always the case. There are animals that act on automatic. They're programmed. You know, they do the same action over and over again because that's what they're programmed to do. And like these dogs with the armored glass. Why did she have armored glass? Gee, I wonder why. You know, so you know what the programming of the dog is, what their breeding is, what they're trained to do. You have to be sensible. So over the years, I learned how to maybe check with people ahead of time a little bit more. (laughs) But I had a lot of experiences with the dark side, you know, and then I just worked with it. I didn't, again, judge for it. I just worked with it. This animal Irish, etc., who had been very abused before this moment got in. He was used to biting people. He was defending himself. And we found out a lot about his past journey and helped him with it. But I could have been in danger. I mean, people, again, they have different ideas. And this is where I think a lot of it is not facing the dark side. People will even say, you often hear people say, oh, he's never done that before. Maybe they never noticed that the dog bit people before, or they blocked it out. You know, a lot of people go into denial that their dogs are aggressive, you know, because they're not willing to face the dark side of themselves or others. So no, animals are not all angels. They have their problems too. They have their breeding. They have their backgrounds. They have their genetics. They have their environment. They have the people they have to deal with. They have all the complexities that we have. We have breeding, too. We have ancestry. We have people to deal with. We have abuse. But animals do, too. So, again, treating them as a fellow being over the years, of course, talking to thousands of animals and uh, hundreds of other you know, people. Uh, and, of course, I was a counselor for people, too, and I have a you know background in dealing with people. But I've learned a lot about people's denial. So I would say, you know, the middle way is the best way. You just be there, observe, be willing to experience and learn. And also be willing that all beings can have darkness, that they can have things that are not so nice about them. I mean, I can think about my little pepito who is just absolutely incredible. My little chihuahua, who again had a background of being abused and coming uh, from a homeless drug addict. And he is the sweetest guy in the world. But he has his times where he just goes, you know, because he doesn't like something. He has certain sensitivities or he's learned to fend for himself, to fight for himself. And so I just go, okay, Pepito, I got that. And you don't have to act that way with me. I was just trying to do this. And you know, and you work with it, you work with the darkness. You don't have to judge it. You don't have to go away from it. You just say, well, I have times where I'm grouchy too. Let's face it, there's times when I am just, I don't want people around and you better not be around me because I'm snappy. I need to calm down or I need quiet time or I need to eat or, or whatever. So if we don't face those things, we can't be good counselors. We can't be good animal communicators. You know, so there's a balance. There's a balance in facing the beauty, but also looking at the fact that animals have their difficulties, their problems,
0: and they can be dangerous. Well, and we just spoke about animals having past lives as other animals, and I know you and I have both experienced that animals have had past lives as humans and other beings from other planets as well. And I too recently had an experience last year when I was traveling and was called in to work with a horse, and I was in the round pen talking to the horse, lovely horse, calm horse, grounded horse, and all of a sudden this dark curtain went up between me and the horse and I literally had what I've perceived to be no psychic ability whatsoever. And I went, hmm, what just happened? And I turned around and there were a few horses in the field adjacent and I pointed to the gray horse and I said, who's that? And the woman said, oh, I was wondering if he was going to show up. Well, this horse was a very magical being in another life. I dare say a warlock. He was very arrogant and wanted my attention and wanted me to talk to him. And I wasn't going to play that game. I said, you have two choices. You can remove your magic and I will happily talk to you in about a half an hour. Or I can remove your magic and you will get no further attention from me. (laughs) and he backed off and I was able to finish with the horse but then I did he removed the magic so I talked to him and he was quite an erudite arrogant sort of greasy magician in another life and some of these beings are quite powerful let me
1: tell you well you can be the most effective I figure The way it is that people will attract in their counseling experience what they can handle. So I have my beginning students, you know, I tell them, take it easy, you know, and you'll attract what it is you need to learn from. And so they don't get heavy duty cases. I got a lot of heavy duty people who would call me with some pretty horrific stuff, which I won't even talk about some of the stuff they put across. And I went, it's only because I could handle it. You know, I was trained. I also came from an abusive background with parents who were alcoholics. It was part of my journey is to turn all that into love. And believe me, dark things happened in that house. Very, very ugly, ugly, abusive things and dark energies. So I was dealing with that kind of thing from when I was young. I mean, I didn't particularly want to keep it around. And believe me, I did not go to movies that were about witchcraft and things like that. I just said, nope, I had enough of that. Thank you. (laughs) I don't need to watch a movie and have it all come back in. But I was aware that those things exist. I don't emphasize them. I don't focus on them. But I do feel that people attract what it is they're good at you know, what it is they can be helpful with. So I've seen, you know, I've had people who have told me in their experiences, animal communicators, animals are all angels and just, they never run into any kind of really horrible things that animals have been through. And I just go, oh, okay, well, that's good that you were able to help the people that came to you. I'm really glad about that. Whereas I have handled a wide range and am able to handle a wide range of very hairy problems uh, because I have a lot of experience with it in humans, in animals, in all of them. Again, I don't make it a big deal. I just go, well, this is what planet Earth is about and just be aware of it. I also don't focus only on the dark side. I mean, my mission is about enlightenment and so I'm really about let's get stronger in who we really are as souls let's become more of our greatness as souls and then we can get through and integrate the darkness we can balance it all we can live in the the balance as certain people on the planet have been good examples of you know like the dalai lama living in balance and compassion not rejecting the darkness but not Going into it, either not using it or manipulating it, but simply recognizing, well, it's there. And what is my mission? What am I doing here? And everybody's different, you know. All these different animal communicators. Some of them are focused on one thing; others are focused on another thing. Everybody has their talents. They have their abilities. They have the things they want to focus on. They have their purposes. So I would say, great, however it works for you. But one or the other, if people go into it's all dark or it's all light, I go, oh, don't think so. (laughs) It's not one or the other. It's just be ready to face anything and just take it as it is. Sometimes we don't even know how to interpret things, you know, when we're not familiar with them. Or some people might say with that experience of that dark veil coming over, they might have interpreted another way and not been able to deal with it. But the key that you were actually on spot with it was that it worked. You know, it worked. You actually were able to carry on. The horse was in a better state, the one who wanted to impress you with his magic um, and everybody got more harmonious. And that's what happens when you're spawned. when you're not. If you just ran away and just went, oh, my God, there's some darkness here. Oh, boy, this is really scary. I'm out of here. This lady must be terrible. This farm must be awful because you don't know, you know, and you're afraid and you're not familiar. You've never had anything like this happen before. So I would say the, the proof is sort of what happens Afterwards. Are things better? Do things work out better? Then your interpretation and your actions were aligned. You're in harmony with the situation. And if you didn't get it right, if you did misinterpret, okay, then you learn from that. You know, everybody learns from their mistakes. I mean, that's what mistakes are for. So we can look and do something different and learn from it. It's a good subject, and it's a something that I had find in my many years of teaching people that a lot of people have a very hard time facing, you know, they're sensitive people and they're afraid. They haven't faced all the darkness in their background. They've got a lot of abuse and they haven't faced all that they've incorporated. People don't realize they incorporate that abuse. They incorporate the roles, the perpetrator, the victim, the everything that's part of it inside of themselves. And they have to heal all of it. They have to heal both sides of the spectrum. When they're afraid of it and they haven't healed it, then they can't face those things in other, in other beings. Where for me, it didn't phase me that I met some characters, both human and non-human, who were not the kind of beings I would want to live with. You know, I used to say, I can be compassionate toward all beings. I can do my work and not have any judgment. But it doesn't mean I would invite all these people and animals home with me. (laughs) They're not part of my life on a personal level. They're part of my life on a professional level. And a level of, I'm there to help them, and then I'm on my way. You know, same with my students. I used to say, okay, little chickens, go off and, you know, do your thing now. I, you know, I took care of you. Now, you know, go do your thing. You know, you have your talents. You have your purpose. You're here to do a particular thing. Go do it. You know, and I'll continue doing my thing, which is, you know, teaching more people.
0: Well, it's very clear to me, both personally and professionally, that we have both a shared purpose and a shared passion for making the world a better place for humans and animals, for helping animals understand the human experience and humans understand the animal experience. You are certainly a wonderful example of what integrity, from my perspective, looks like. I am constantly impressed by your blogs and your books and your continued dedication. I appreciate you more than you will ever know. You're so generous with your time today. I'm very grateful for that. And we are all increasing our capacity to hold the light through greater understanding, through love and compassion and nurturing one another And being tolerant when that's necessary and being proactive, as you shared, when that's necessary as well. I thank you so much for your time and I look forward to maybe one day meeting with you again. Until then, I invite the listeners to return again and have another conversation with me next week because now is the time for interspecies evolution. And remember, when you follow your heart, you lead with love. The information provided in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, psychiatric, or veterinary advice. Our conversations are based on our life's experiences. We intend to this podcast to be complimentary and supportive. It is not intended to be a substitute for traditional medical, psychiatric, or veterinary care. If you need a doctor, a psychiatrist, or a veterinarian, please contact one immediately.